0: You can uh, sit back and uh, relax. Hey, it is—it uh, is so good to be back. If—if uh, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name here is Chris, and I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. And as Stephen Riley said, the reason uh, that we probably haven't met is because uh, you've just started coming. Maybe tonight's your first night, or you've started coming in the last couple of uh, couple of weeks. And uh, I've been away, hanging out with my wife, uh, enjoying. Um, time away but one of the things that I love about this community uh, is that I cannot wait to get back Uh, and the reason that I cannot wait to get back uh, if you're brand new you'll kind of start to discover this is that you're sitting around uh, some of the most generous some of the most supportive some of the most uh, gracious people that you will ever meet uh, in this community and when you're around a community like that you just cannot wait to get back around those kind of people Uh, The other reason that that I'm really excited to get back is because of this conversation that we've been having. Actually Riley kind of started us in this conversation last week. It's a uh, a brand new series that we launched called Thank You Next. And really what we're trying to do with this series is um, essentially figure out how do we navigate the dating, the sex, the relationships uh, in a culture that is very much Thank You Next. On to the next one. If it's not working, on to the next one. If it's on the, uh, if it's not working in this one, we'll figure it out and we'll move on to the next one. And so last week in part one, uh, Riley looked at the uh, this default strategy that a whole heap of us have when it comes to relationships and when it comes to dating. And he uh, kind of talked about where we might get this default strategy from. But then what he did is he gave us a, a new and a better strategy that will set us up for Better dating relationships and hopefully better marriages when we get to that point uh, of our life. And if you want to um, jump onto that, or maybe you're sitting here thinking like, I've got a friend, that that message would be awesome for them. The best way to share that message with a friend is on our podcast or on our SoundCloud, uh, and you can share that with them. But tonight, I want to I want to continue uh, this conversation. Like I want to start this uh, this part tonight as we continue this journey by acknowledging um, something from my own life when when I was uh, uh, in high school or just out of high school, um, and the churches that I would go to would always do dating series. Um, and it just so happened that whenever they did dating series, I managed to find myself single. That was probably because I was single all through high school as well. Um, so whenever they did a dating series, I was single. But I don't know um, if you're in the room tonight and you, you, you're single, when you come to, it comes to a relationship series, there can be this kind of tendency to sort of go, oh, I, I wish I had someone to share this with. I wish I had someone to kind of journey alongside and talk about this stuff with, because um, when there's a relationship series and you're single, really you've got two options. You can either take a whole heap of notes for the future, or you can just say, um, I'm going to come back in three weeks' time, right? Because let's be honest, sometimes when you're in church and you're single and we're talking about relationships, it's not the most pleasant, because it's almost like that people are reminding you of like, great, I'm single, okay? Everyone's already reminding me, Facebook reminds me, Instagram reminds me, I don't need them to remind me at church. Um, And just so I can kind of get a little bit of a lay of the land for who's sort of sitting with us, could you just do me a favor, could you stick your hand up if you're in a relationship? And that's always an awkward question, you can throw your hands down, that's always an awkward question to ask when I'm at the front, because there's always at least one person when they're in a couple and it's like this, and it's, they're kind of looking at each other and the guy's got his hand up and the girl's got their hand down. It's like, we need to talk afterwards, right? Like, there's something going on. Um, hands up, can you do me a photo? Hands up if you're single. I just throw your hands up, that's okay. Awesome. So, the reason I wanted to do that, because the next part would be really awkward um, if you weren't single, uh, is if there were no single people. Because what we were kind of discussing um, with our team before we, we launched this series um, was that there are, a, uh, we thought, a lot of people in our community who are single, And uh, and so often dating series don't ever really talk about being single and what it means to be single. And so we thought it would be a huge miss if we didn't address that. And so you guessed it, tonight we're talking about this thing, singleness. Now I know as soon as I say that, some of you are like rolling your eyes again. You're like, great, okay, I'm already in a relationship series, I'm already single, and now he's going to remind me about it for the next 20 minutes. Like, that's all I needed tonight, right? Um, but the reason that we're going to talk about this is because um, for a lot of us, right, you don't want to be single. Right? Now, I know, I know there are probably some of you who, who uh, there are exceptions because there's always exceptions. Maybe some of you, you just got out of a, uh, a relationship that was really difficult and had a, had a really bad breakup. And so for you, what you decided is, hey, I actually want to take some time to remove myself from the dating game so that, so that I can heal emotionally. Maybe for others of you, that you're at a transitional moment in your life, whether that's transitioning your career, maybe you just moved out of home, maybe you just moved to Brisbane or to the north side of Brisbane for the first time, and so you made a conscious decision that hey, I I wanna take some time out of dating, I'm not gonna be looking, uh, I'm not gonna get on Tinder, right? I'm just gonna take some time away. And uh, I I understand that, but uh, my guess is that for those of you who have made a conscious decision to step away from dating for a while, that in your mind you, you think that there will be a time where you will come back. That you imagine a time where, you know what, I, hey, there will be a, a, the, this seasonal end, this time will come over and I will come back to dating and when I come back to dating, um, I won't want to be single then. All right, it's really interesting um, if you are single or if you've got friends who are single, the different ways that people react to being single. Um, there are some people who are complainers and the whole time they're single it's like, oh, I just want a boyfriend. Like, can't I just get a girlfriend already? And you, like, you hang out with them enough that you want to stop hanging out with them because you know that after 10 or 20 minutes, it's just going to go to how much being single sucks and you're just going to have to hear them complain about it. Uh, for other people, they actually don't know how to be single. you got that friend who's like you've never known a time except for maybe one day when they were single. They like, literally just jump from relationship to relationship to relationship because they just don't know how to be single. All those people um, who, when they're single, it's like pity party central. It's like, why won't he text me back? Like, why does she keep leaving me unread when I'm, when I'm sending her messages? Like, what is going on? And the whole time it's like, what's wrong with me? Like, am I not pretty enough? Like, you know, like, and, and we just, we, we kind of throw that pity party. Some people, this is what I've just never got my head around. Um, <clears throat> some people react to being single by becoming the relationship expert. And they just give a running commentary on everyone else's relationships. And it's like, well, if I was, if I was, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be saying that. And you should really apologize. And everyone in a relationship is looking at the person who's single like, bro, where is this coming from? Right? And they just turn into this like Dr. Phil all of a sudden. There are some of you um, who, who, um, when you're single, you deliberately avoid certain social situations. Right? You deliberately don't go around your grandparents' house or you don't go to your cousin's birthday, right? Because there's always that one weird uncle or that one weird auntie that can't read the cues. And every single time you'll be around there and they'll be like, why haven't you got yourself a nice boy? Where's, when are you going to bring a girl around? And you just say the same thing like, I don't know. And then their response is like, well, why not? They're like, If I knew, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? They'd be here with me and it would be all rosy and peachy. And so for a lot of us, um, and regardless really of how you react to being single, the way in which you take it on, or whether you can think of some friends in your head as I'm going through those examples, the reality is singleness is rarely something we desire. It's not something we wake up and we're like, I want to be single. But because of that, right, therefore, it's rarely something we see any good in, right? If there are things in our life that we don't want and we don't desire, it is really, really difficult to see anything good in them when they happen to us. And as a result, it often leads us to believe or kind of approach singleness and say that singleness is a season that we need to escape and we need to get rid of and we need to leave behind as quickly as we enter it. And, and I'll, be, I'll be honest, like, culture kind of, kind of almost narrates the whole idea that it's better to be in a relationship than it is to be single, right? No one ever finishes the rom-com movie and they're like, I'm single and I love it, right? It's the greatest. Like, it's always like they end up happily ever after. And if I can, if I can just kind of talk directly to Christians for a, a second here, um, if, you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're kind of like, you'll just kind of think this is weird almost the way that I think it's weird. Christians, I think when it comes to this whole singleness thing, like we got a little emotional maturing to do, right? And what I mean by that is I hear I hear Christians all the time go on dates, and then I like you know might have a first date or a second date or a third date, and then I'll be like, oh, um," and then they'll they'll tell me they'll be like, but I don't want to tell people at my church, or I don't want to tell people in my connect group or people that I know at church. I'm like, why? It's like because the questions will come. Like, what do you mean the questions? And they're like, you know, like, when are you getting married? What's the kids' names? Like, what dress is coming, right? And I'm just, I just think to myself, like, this is ridiculous. And, and, and I think as Christians, we've got to be a little bit more emotionally mature when it comes to dating and when it comes to relationships. And, you know, I, you know, I know you guys are probably like, oh, Chris, come on, man. Like, you get back from holidays and you're already grouchy. Like, come on, just lighten up a little bit. It's a joke. And I get that it's a joke, but here's the thing, like, my unchurched friends don't say that. That's only a weird thing that Christians say. And I think as Christians, we should really be better at being emotionally mature and recognizing it for what it is. It's a cup of coffee. It's dinner and a movie. It's a second date. It's two people asking questions, trying to figure out and trying to understand and learn more about each other. And we should be more supportive but then, at the same time, we also need to understand and be aware of how those comments impact other people. Because could you imagine, you know, it's like, oh, when's the wedding? What does that say to every other single person? It says, hey, if you're single, you shouldn't want to be single. That, that if you're single, that the marriage is really up here and, and singleness, singleness is really, really down here. And, he, and here's the thing is that... that in the church, we believe that marriage is powerful, right? But there's something really powerful we believe that, that when two people come together and they, they commit their lives to each other and they invite God into that commitment, that some, that some really powerful things happen. But, but here's the thing we need to understand as well, that there is nowhere in Jesus' teachings, and there is nowhere in the teachings of the New Testament where anyone said it is better to be married than it is to be single. And they just talk about them as different... Seasons of life. And so one of the ways that I think we can help uh, address this as followers of Jesus is just to be a little bit more emotionally mature when people are getting to know each other and take it for what it is. And, and so tonight, what I really wanted to do is kind of talk about singleness in a different perspective. Try and give us a fresh perspective on, on this whole idea of, uh, of singleness. And I wanted to do it um, from a letter that this guy called Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. And, uh, and I thought what better place to turn to than Paul because Paul was actually single his entire life, right? Now, I know most of you don't want to be single your entire life, but, uh, but what better perspective to get than someone who, who uh, was single their entire life. And this is what Paul writes about being single. He says, uh, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. In other words, what I'm, what I'm about to write to you, I don't want this to add a burden or add another challenge. I want it to actually allow you to live and experience freedom in the way you go about relationships. And so this is what he says next. He says, an unmarried man can spend, time, uh, spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. And then he finishes with this comment, his interests are divided. Right? That just makes sense. You know, if, you, if you add a relationship to your life, you add a priority to your life which means that there is less of you to go around. And ladies, just in case you're like, but what, Paul, like, are you going to talk to us? <clears throat> in the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. So he says it goes, it goes the same way for, for men and for women. Really what Paul is saying here is this, is that relationships bring Distractions. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing, it's just a thing, right? But we all know, we all know, you know, when you're kind of in that dating phase and you're trying to impress that guy, you're trying to impress that girl, and uh, and you kind of get that text, and they maybe they text you, like, where are you? You're like, Oh, I'm at Chermside, and they're like, Where are you? You want to come hang out? And you're like at Redcliffe, but you're like, I'll be there in 10. And somehow you just like transport through time, rock up at Chermside, like, I'm here, and all of a sudden, right? This person who you barely knew, you start to carve out mornings of your day to spend with them. You start to carve out afternoons of your day to spend with them. Then you start to carve out whole weekends to spend with them. And all of a sudden, this crazy busy schedule you had starts to free up for this person. And then the relationship starts to develop and it starts to go well. And then, you know, if you're, if you're the guy, you start to have to budget to save up for a ring. And then you... you uh, propose and hopefully you've read the situation right and she says yes and then that opens up a whole other different variety of issues right because now it's like when are we getting married? What kind of dress? What's our budget for the wedding? Like are we going to have a spring wedding or a a summer wedding or a winter wedding or a fall wedding? Uh, Are we going to invite your auntie Thelma because I really don't like her right okay what kind of friends are we going to invite? Who's going to be mad at us when we don't invite them? Where are we going to go on our honeymoon? And then after you get back from the honeymoon there's a whole heap of more questions. It's like where are we going to live? Are we going to rent? Are we going to buy? If we do buy, what suburb are we going to live in? Because you know, you've know you got that job and it's kind of only a contract and my job's over here so maybe we should prioritize this and then all of a sudden you have to come face to face with the reality that now your decisions affect another person. Your sleep schedule affects another person. Your spending habits affect another person. Uh, the way in which you eat affects another person. All these things right and what Paul is saying is relationships bring distraction. Now, I totally get that there, you're sitting there and you're like, Chris, those distractions, bring them on, right? Okay? They're the kind of distractions I want in my life, don't you see? Like, that's why I want to be in a relationship, because I want those distractions. And I, and I get that. And Paul's not saying that those distractions are bad, or you shouldn't want those distractions, but, but what Paul is really trying to help us understand is just this: that you will never, you will never have more time, more energy and more freedom than when you're single. Because the second you enter into a relationship, you get a little less time than you had before. There's a little less energy, and there's a little less freedom. It's not bad, but it's just a fact. That's what, that's what Paul's kind of saying. Uh, and then he, he goes on, he says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you, not to kind of make it more difficult, I want you to do whatever will uh, will help you serve the Lord best, with as few distractions as possible. Now, if you're not a Christian in the room, um, this is not directed at you, right? Because I uh, uh, I can't imagine that you're wake up wait you you wake up every morning thinking how can I serve Jesus the best today, right? And I wouldn't place that on you because you haven't signed up for that. But if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, what what Paul is saying is that. Um, As we live our lives, the way in which we live our lives should be to put Jesus first. Which means we should be thinking, regardless of whether we're single or dating or married, how can we best live a life that reflects the love that Jesus has given us? Really what Paul is saying is this, is uh, and why he's saying it, is he doesn't want us to miss the season we're in, hoping for the one that is to come. Paul says, hey, if you're a Christian, that God is doing something in your life right now. And if you continually hope for the season that's to come, you will miss the opportunities that God is putting in your life. You'll miss the people that you can pour into. And you'll miss the way that God is speaking to you in this season of your life because you keep hoping for the season that's next. And if you take nothing away from this message, if you take absolutely nothing away, here's what I want you to take away. It's just this. Is it singleness? It's a season to embrace, not a season to escape. Singleness is a season that we can actually see God do some incredible things in our lives. And even if you're not a Christian, it's a season that you can see some incredible things happen in your life if you embrace it instead of trying to escape it. Now, at this point, it's probably worth addressing the elephant in the room, right? Which is the fact that the guy giving the single talk is married. Right, Because, yeah, at the start, he's like, I just got back from a holiday with my wife, right? And, that, and, and for some of you, maybe you've like written this whole message off straight away because you're like, it's the married guy telling us how great it is to be single, right? Like, who is this guy? Like, if, if being single is so great, Chris, why don't you just be single? And the reason that, that I say that is because I've been in, in your position, right? I've been in your shoes because I've sat in churches before and I've been in some terrible... Talks on it, the joys of being single. And the whole time I'm sitting in these talks, they were always given by married people. And I could never understand why, and it just, I I got so frustrated one day, I went and I I had a conversation with um, someone who I consider a mentor, and I was just kind of venting to him, and I was saying, it's so frustrating because all these people who are married, I feel like they're rubbing our nose in it, I feel like they're telling us, like, saying, hey, marriage is so great, by the way, you should take a lot of, you should be happy being single, even though we weren't, so we went and got married. And I was like, what do I do about that? And the advice he, he gave me, I wanted to share it with you. He didn't say what I'm about to put on the screen next. I kind of made it into preacher talk, so it would hopefully like, be a little bit sticky. Um, but he essentially said this to me. He essentially said this. is, Chris, you can become bitter, or you can become better. In this season of your life, sure, you can sit where you're at, and you, you can listen to these, these people who are married kind of give you advice, and you can get angry at them. And you can say, they don't know my situation, they don't understand what's going on, they don't don't know how badly I want to be in a relationship. And you can write them off, he said, but at the end of the day, the only person that impacts negatively is you. He said, Or the other option is this, the other option is you can become better. And you can maybe take on the perspective that, that maybe the reason that married people talk about being single is because they've lived on both sides of the fence. And maybe for some of them, when they entered into married life, they began to realize, wow, when I was single, I really did have more time. I really did have more energy. And I really did have more freedom than I realized. And so the reason that they're talking to people who are single is, not, is, uh, is because they want them to embrace the season in a way that perhaps they didn't. And they want people who are single to learn how they can make the most out of the season that they're in right now so that, they, uh, so that God can use their life to the fullest potential where they're at. And so what my hope is for you, if you are single and even if you're not single, is that you'll begin to embrace the season that you're in that you'll begin to take hold of the season that you're in the midst of right now. Whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're newly married or whether you've been married for 30 years. And here's how I want to help all of us, but particularly singles, um, embrace the season. We have this thing here at Beyond, it's called a Four Monday, which is kind of like, here's the application of everything we've been talking about tonight so you can run with it into the week. And I've got kind of three ways that you can begin to embrace... This season, and, um, and you won't be able to implement them all this week, but you can begin to implement them uh, throughout this season. The first way is simply this, um, invest in God. Because there is never a greater opportunity to invest in your relationship with Jesus to begin to understand who he is and how he's created you than when you are single. And I guarantee you that the more and more, the more, and more you invest in Jesus now, the stronger a foundation that you will lay that when you step into marriage, you will have a great faith foundation to build on. In fact, I guarantee you that the more you invest in God, if you're a Jesus follower, um, investing in God will help you make uh, and say no to some relationships that could cause you heartbreak and could lead you down a a path that you don't want to go down. If you invest in God because that foundation is already laid. Here's the other way I think you can embrace the season is to invest in others. I don't mean like invest in your friends. What I mean by invest in others is give a little bit of yourself to something bigger than yourself. Give yourself to a cause that is greater than yourself. When you've got a little bit more time, why not commit to serving in a nonprofit? Why not donate some of your time to charity? Why not go back to that high school that you grew up in or get alongside that sporting club or that uh, that music academy and begin to invest back into the lives Of people who once sat in the seats where you sat maybe for you you're kind of doing that already and you're a jesus follower and maybe it's time to invest in others by just simply jumping on a team and leading in this context of beyond somewhere and here's the final way i want you to invest in you there is no greater opportunity to set yourself up for great relationships than when you begin to invest in you right now because here's the thing and married, married people will tell you this when you get married, it magnifies all the issues and all the tensions and all the unresolved baggage that you have. It doesn't make it easier, it brings it to the surface. And if, uh, we, the reality is we've all got some baggage in our lives. We're gonna talk specifically about that in part four, so you should, you should come back for that, but um, <clears throat> little cheeky plug. Um, but there is no better opportunity, because what happens when you get married is eventually you guys will start to bump into that baggage, and, and you might not know that she has baggage, and she might not know that you have that baggage, but living with each other and in that close proximity, you start to bump into each other, and then things start to come out of your mouth, and you begin to say things and do things that you never did before, and if you haven't spent the time to invest into you, there will be this tendency for you to point the finger at them and say, well, this is your fault. And this never happened, and I never thought this way, and I didn't talk this way until I got married to you and we moved in together, so it must be you, not me. But the reality is, it came out of you. So it had to start in you. And when you are single, you have the opportunity to begin to deal with some of that baggage in a way that that is so much easier than when you're married. That has so much less pain when there's someone else associated with it. You can begin to lay a foundation that will set you up for great success in your relationships. And as we bring this part two to a close, I know, I know that some of you are like, yeah, but you're still the married guy, and I don't really know if I really want to embrace the season. Like this sort of stuff, it sounds nice, but when I actually have to like look at my baggage when I actually have to give up some of my time and get off Netflix or, you know, um, get off Instagram, when I, when I really have to invest in God, like, that, that's kind of difficult, Chris. And, and here's what I would say to that. In, in the time that I spend as a pastor and talking to people who come to me for advice, I don't know why, hopefully some of the advice I give them is good, but some of the advice when they're single, when they're dating and when they're engaged and when they're married. All sorts of people. What I've discovered and what I've seen is this thing called the law of attraction. And some of you have maybe heard of this thing called the law of attraction. But, um, and it's over YouTube at the moment. I think there's even a book released about it. But, but I don't really quite see it the way that the law of attraction is, is, more, is, is often talked about. What I see in relationships is, is what I'd call the law of attraction like this. Um, you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are doesn't that suck? Right? Because here's, here's the thing, right? I, I hear so many people being like, I just want a guy that's super adventurous. And you haven't left the house in like six months. Okay. Right? I, I, hear, I hear guys who are like, and this, this one annoys me so much. Okay, guys, if I ever hear you saying this, like we'll have words. I hear guys like, bro, I just want a gym girl or a girl that squats. Right? You couldn't even do five push push-ups. like shut up. Okay, I hear people who are like, I just want someone who's super funny, and they're just like the, the biggest buzzkill when they walk into a room. I want someone who's a go-getter, but they're the most apathetic person on the north side of Brisbane, right? Okay, I hear, and I hear Christians who say like, I just want someone who's on fire for God. And you can't remember the last time you prayed. And you've been invited to a connect group six times, and you keep avoiding it. And you still don't lead in any capacity. And this is where the law of attraction comes in, is you don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. And if you want to attract the kind of people that you want, you need to begin to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. And there is no better way to do that than begin to embrace the season. And, And I know, right? that sitting in a room primarily of high schoolers and young adults like that, you kind of hear that, and you're like, man, that sucks. Because that's hard work. Because for so many of us, we look, right, we look for the quick, the, the hacks or the tips or the ways that we can make our lives easier. But the reality is relationships are hard work. Relationships are difficult. Relationships are challenging, but they are so worthwhile. And you can save yourself so much heartache and so much pain and so much hard work by embracing the season you're in right now. And I hope that you'll begin to embrace that season this week and see what God does when you do. Then I hope you come back for part three because next week we're talking all about sex. But uh, I'm going to pray for us really quickly and uh, then we'll move into communion. Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that that you love us so much that you don't want us to miss the season that we're in. That there is something for us right now we're in the midst of, whether we're single uh, or whether we're dating, whether we're engaged or whether we're married, Lord, that uh, that you have and you want to work in our lives right now. Father, I want to pray for everyone in this room, particularly who's single. Lord, I I pray that That in the midst of this season that so many people want to escape, that what they would do is actually go the opposite and they would embrace it. And they would begin to ask God, where are you in the midst of it? How can I know you more? And how can you use me to shed your light and to share your message in this world? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.